just get a beam from Colorado. I grew up in Colorado and um, do you ever have moments when you're talking with your parents and you hear your hear stories about yourself growing up and you think are you talking about the other kid? <laughs> because it doesn't sound like me. Um, when I was little, we lived near Breckenridge, Colorado, and my mom tells me the story that we were in the backyard. I was really small. I didn't remember how old I was and she turned her back for a moment and I decided to become an escape artist <laughs> and if you don't know me I love sticking very close to home. We didn't have a fence in our backyard, just trees and at the edge of our property was a little creek. And so my mom was the only one home and she knocked on my neighbor's door and he helped her find me. Like any good, and I was actually on the other side of the house, but any Good parent will search and search for their missing child. In this story that we are about to read, the father responds in a different way to his sons. God uses this image, this word father to for himself in relationship towards us. Now I would imagine that when I say this, we all have different emotions, different experiences in our own heads because of our own dads and our relationship with them. And we're going to learn this morning that no one is too far gone from the Father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Please prepare all ears to hear from you. Bless my words so that they are your words. And we can hear from you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So if you have your Bible or you can turn to the bulletin, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. But before we go there, Jesus is talking to a crowd of two types of people, tax collectors, and the Pharisees. The first group are outcasts, people who know that they are sinners. The second 
all religiously those who are found and are judging the false crowd. So Luke 15, 11. To illustrate the point from God, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your, in your estate now before you die. Jesus is the greatest storyteller and he frequently tells stories to his audience called parables, which is what this series is about. Parables are stories that communicate what life is like when heaven meets all. Think of people. Most of us know the tortoise and the hill. Slow and steady wins the race. If you look at your Bibles, up above Luke 15 11, it all says something along the lines of the pure God, the last son. If you know this story, we tend to focus on the one son who screws up and we neglect the fact that the father had two sons. So a question for you, who is this story about? If the story is about a son, which son? Just put that thing on you, door. We'll come back <laughs> to this virtual door. So, when do you get your inheritance? Yeah, when your parents die, right? It's a little inappropriate to say, Dad, you're living a little too long on them. I had expected. <laughs> Let's act like you're dead and I want my inheritance. I wouldn't want to be in that room. <laughs> but the father agrees and a couple of days later with all his belongings he moved to a distant land and wasted all his money on wild living. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So I went to college in Oregon and I would spend my summers 
walking at the Christian camp in Sequoia National Forest. If you haven't walked that camp before, just know it is awesome. But you get paid very little and you eat the same terrible food for 10 weeks. <laughs> so, my first summer, I vividly remember we would go down to Fresno, which isn't exactly a destination spot in California, <laughs> but we would eat Chick-fil-A in and out and go to a movie. And you know where this story is going, don't you? I spent most of what I mean that summer. <laughs> this is totally off topic, but if you go out west, go to an in and out burger. <laughs> okay, you guys are listening slowly, but don't move on. Now, in Jewish culture, there were animals such as pigs that were considered to be unclean. You couldn't go near them or touch them. And Jesus' audience would have been disgusted at this point, but their attitude might have been what solves him very for spending all his money. He deserves that. Then the son gets a thought in his head. My father has many servants in his household. There's enough food to spill. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son but maybe I can solve in his household. He rehearses his apology and sets up towards home. Let's stop and think for a second. He really has nowhere else to go, does he? He doesn't, he's hungry, how genuine do you think he is right now? Next. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I, I have sinned against both, both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Jesus is painting a picture of what God the Father is like, and this picture of 
the father is waiting for his son, perhaps daily. The father's the father thought his son was dead, but now he's alive. His response is totally opposite of what we would think. The father doesn't condemn him. He doesn't ask where he's been and notice he doesn't make him run through his apology. He's just glad that his son is alive and came back. The father calls for the servants to bring a robe, and this robe was reserved for the guest of honor. The ring for his finger symbolizes the permanence of family. And sandals were the only shoes that a free person would wear. It's about to be a party. The father thought his son was dead and now he's alive. It's time to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son comes from the field. He asks what's going on in his servant, informs him that his brother returned and his dad killed a cow. They called that we were battening for a party. The older son becomes angry and would not go in. And the father comes out of the party to beg his older son to come in. And this is the older brother's response. All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in that time, you never gave me one young girl for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back up to squandering your money, I'm prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the patent calf. He is the kid that everyone wants. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's the kid that the bumper sticker is talking about when it says, my child is on the honor roll of such and such school. My parents never got that sticker. <laughs> He's not to thought that his brother is back. Older son, your brother is back. How does that make you feel? It just takes me off. He's ticked because his father threw a party for his knucklehead's brother, but claims that he's 
Nepal had a party with his friends. He knows that his brother is a knucklehead. And now he's probably thinking his father maybe one too. The father just listens and he says, You've always been with me, but we have to celebrate your brother, he returned. So remember my question from the very beginning. Who is this story about? Both sons were lost. This story is about God, God's, God the Father's unconditional love for his children. One son wasted his inheritance and his status is restored. And the older son, we don't know what happened to him, how he turned out, but the father's love for each son was unconditional. And if you've been dozing up um, and haven't been listening to a word I've said here, this, no one is too far gone from the father. Jesus is telling us this story because we have no idea what God the Father is like. In Colossians 1, it says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God is like? Then look to Jesus. I think we can learn from each character's perspective. The younger son, we learn that God receives us even if it's the last result. The son had right bottom. He didn't decide to come back because it was the right thing to do. He did. He did nothing to make up for his greed or his hatred towards his father. But we long that no one is too far gone from the father. Have you heard people say, Oh God, wouldn't love me or accept me? And why do you think that is? Because a person who claims to know Jesus have told them that God would not accept them by the way that they are living. We didn't read it, but at the beginning of this chapter, Luke 15, it says, Tax collectors and sinners came to listen to Jesus and the Pharisees and teachers complained that Jesus was associating with them. Let me translate that 
the church was complaining that Jesus was reaching people that they thought were too far gone from the Father. And this is unfortunate because we're all sinners. We're all in need of grace from God. It's not in us versus them scenario. Next. Every party has a pupil and that's why we invited the older son. He might have been doing what he was supposed to do, but he completely missed the heart of his father. Remember the discussion with the father when the older brother said, when this son of yours, not my brother, essentially he's saying to his dad, you may accept him as your son, but I'm not accepting him as my brother. The older son has higher standards and less grace for the older. The younger son <coughs> they they and this is the problem with the Pharisees. They were unwilling to accept the those who Jesus accepted. And last, Jesus tells this story because it shows us the real truth about God the Father. Both sons were knuckleheads, both sons were lost. But the Father's love for his sons were unconditional. Never once did the father shame his sons for how they behaved. God's love for you is not dependent on what you do or don't do, but it's an image that no matter what we've done, the father's arms are wide open and we are never too far gone from the Father's love. I'm gonna pray and Brian can come back and lead us in worship. Father, I thank you for all the dads in this room and in this community while we celebrate them. I thank you for the picture that you tell us from Luke 15. We don't have to honor forgiveness. We don't have to question your love because you already proved it by sending your son to the cross. Thank you for your unconditional love. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank mm -hmm.